you somewhat realize how your actions affect the outcomes that we see with our relationships and with our finances. How far are you willing to make the necessary changes? Let's find out and have some fun learning all about emotional intelligence. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights, just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Reineman, and welcome back to the show. This time around, we are talking about a topic that I don't really talk often on the show, and it's really interesting. I don't think it's quite anything like we've done before. Well, sort of. We talked about the science of positive financial habits with Nick True, and spoiler, he's going to be on the show in a few weeks. But for this show, I have my good friend, the Inspired Dentist, on to talk about emotional intelligence. Considering that we're all emotional beings, usually tied to habits that we form throughout life, we sometimes find ourselves in positions where we wish we saw a few changes. That'll put it nicely. And these changes can come in the form of the way we interact with people that we work with, or perhaps the way that we react to certain stressors, or maybe, just maybe, it comes down to how we handle our money. And this is a good recipe for understanding emotional intelligence. So Shaquilla, aka the Inspired Dentist, shares exactly why being aware of our emotional intelligence is important and how it could help us live happier and healthier lives. Enjoy the show. Shaquille, I'm so excited you're on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be super fun. For those of you that don't know, even though she is the inspired dentist, she is one of us. She is married to a doctor. So it's, this is going to be amazing because we don't really talk about emotional intelligence and things like that on the show when we were talking about what you would talk about when you came on the show is how emotional intelligence could be your best investment. I was just in love as soon as you sent it over. So let's start with the basics. Mm -hmm. Like what is emotional intelligence? Yeah, no, I'm glad that we're starting there because people have a tendency to think that emotional intelligence is IQ. IQ is intellectual quotient. So how smart you are, what you're born with, all the tests that we would take. Emotional intelligence or the emotional intelligence quotient, EQ, is the ability to be aware of your emotions as you experience them. It is a unique skill set that we all innately have, but we may not practice it. And the reason why that's so important is when we know how we're feeling at the time that we feel it, we actually make better choices because we're using our emotions as information. And it changes the way we make decisions, whether they're financial decisions in this you know type of situation, but it also changes the way we approach decisions at work, decisions with our relationships, anything that would be driven, really, which is most decisions in life with that skill set. So EQ, emotional intelligence, it can be grown. And that's why I really, really love teaching in this field. I speak in the dental industry on it. And I coach and consult in growing emotional intelligence because if we can train our minds 
to be more aware of how we feel and utilize that more efficiently, we become happier people. And who doesn't want to be more happy? (laughs) I've never met a person that said, I want to be more miserable. That doesn't sound like a fun conversation to have if you if you did say that. Absolutely. I've never had anyone tell me like, oh, I just want to earn a whole bunch of money and then die with it. <laughs> Everyone's got something that they want and want right. to do and accomplish. And of course, everyone would love to be happy. I mean, people spend their whole life right. Right, looking for that. And maybe it's some of this coaching that they could potentially go through or just some self-awareness to understand. And I know that there's like characteristics that kind of break up emotional intelligence and you've mentioned a few of them. Can we go a little more granular on like what goes into emotional intelligence so we could kind of think like, oh, that makes sense to me or how maybe I can do a little self-reflection after Mm -hmm. someone hears this show? Mm -hmm. So with my training and the way I've studied emotional intelligence, I've learned it to be broken up into four different areas. So emotional intelligence is kind of the big umbrella And we have self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social management. In each of those blocks, if you were to envision them as blocks, we have multiple competencies. So things like empathy and servant leadership and inspirational leadership, teamwork, that all goes in the social intelligence side of that rubric where we're learning to be aware and then managing it better. When it comes to our self-awareness and our self-management, we're talking about personal power. We're talking about growing our own compassion for ourselves. We're talking about reducing our judgment and managing expectations. I mean, there are over 28 competencies that actually break down from emotional intelligence because technically emotional intelligence is a subset of positive psychology. But now because it's become more trendy, I don't know if I can say that, but trendy, it is one of those things that it's coming to light because people are realizing that if we hone in on this particular section, we increase our interpersonal skills and we actually increase our awareness skills. And learning to be more aware comes from knowing where you stand. It's not something that we naturally know. Most of us, we were talking about this you know, in a different conversation, most of us go through life reacting to things. We don't even realize that we are reacting to things that come up our way, decisions that we make. But ultimately, when we respond to things, when we take a step back and we think a little more thoughtfully about what we're trying to achieve, we actually make better decisions. And that's really where the power comes in. But to kind of go back to what you know you were talking about as what are these things, people don't realize that things like integrity and achievement drive and resilience and stress management, intentionality, I mean, these are all awareness Tools. I know I'm throwing out a lot of terms, but to really truly become aware and then use it wisely, we almost have to break down our emotional personality. And that's what my program does because I'm able to administer an EQ test, essentially. It's not as hard as an IQ test. It's much more simple, straightforward gut reaction. But what it allows me to do is to see where someone is because if they're struggling with something, Oftentimes, they're already in this big snowball 
of emotions that we don't know where we need to unpeel until we start digging in. And we literally are like onions, right? Every layer that we acquire in life, we add, we add, we add, we add, we add, we add all these experiences, we add all these emotions related to those experiences. But what happens when life hits us as adults? Do we want to stay in the in the finance sector of examples or, you know, even outside of it, right? Something happened with your investments that didn't go the way you wanted it to, or something happened at work that you didn't go the way that you wanted it to. How do you bounce back? And that's where these competencies actually become useful because if we hone in on what you're struggling with, we actually can grow that responsive reaction. I know that was a very long answer, but I wanted to be as explanatory as possible because it is such a complex field with a simple premise to it, which is what I love. There's no way we're going to tackle the whole beast in 30, 40 <laughs> minutes, right? It's just not possible. But right. I want everyone to be able to walk away and go, wow, you know, I can reflect on this, this, and this, and that will help me increase my emotional intelligence and potentially make me a better person. It'll make me understand my spouse better. Like those are the things, and you don't have to just stick finance. Like I am going to ask at the end kind of how we're translating this into finance, but in terms of giving context and things like, you know, please explain however you'd like to do that. You don't have to stick in the, in that realm, but you identified four pieces of emotional intelligence and I got a couple of them, but I think it'd be really helpful to take each one and just go over it just at a high level again for everyone listening. Cause you had so much great stuff there and I don't want it to be missed. So I know one was social awareness. Right. So the first block is your emotional self-awareness. So what that means is how are we aware of our emotional state? Are we aware of our emotional state? Unfortunately, this is the hardest part of going through any EQ journey. And if it's okay with you, we'll spend a little bit of time there because I think that's where anybody can kind of get started on the journey. That's where I started. Before you can even look and ask for help. It's the ability to go, wait a second, do I even know how I feel? Can I put a name to it? Am I able to put a name to it? Or is it so complex that I might be saying one thing and I'm thinking another? Ever come into somebody and you go, how are you doing today? What's the usual answer? Uh, I mean, usually it's the gut reaction, like, oh, things are good. And then they'll stop for a second. Things are good. And then maybe if I know them well, they'll go, well, actually blah, blah, blah. But the gut reaction right. is like, yeah, things are good. Things are good. Or I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine is my, it's like nails under the chalkboard for me because uh, I'm fine. Fine is not a feeling. <laughs> I'm so passionate about this. My, my husband, <laughs> he knows I'm very much a, you're not fine. What are you really? Here's an emotion wheel. Pick an emotion. That's not one. Um, <laughs> poor guy. He has to live with me. But in, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, he has grown in his emotional intelligence because he's married to me and we have better conversations now that we're more aware. So with knowing how you feel, the key in the beginning is to really be able to notice these gut level instincts that you're having and the reactions that you're having. Because as I had mentioned, when we go through life and we're reacting, we have something coming up, we go at it right away. We have something else coming up, we go at it right away. We're not even 
pausing to think about what we're actually doing back, right? At the end of the day, we have decision fatigue. The kids ask us a simple question. Sometimes it happens. We all do it. We're human, right? We go, we just give a snap answer. No, I don't know what you want for dinner. <laughs> you know? Oh, wait, maybe that's just in my house. But, you that's know, in my it's, house too. It, we, <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm never putting blanket, you know, assumptions there. But, you know, the reason why we do that, it may be coming from somewhere else. So when we start to think, okay, this is how my day went. These were the feelings that I thought I had or the challenges that I had or the wins that I had. What were the actual emotions behind it? And then being able to put a name to those emotions is really powerful. But the other thing is most of us are walking around with messages from our bodies from this place, right? The chronic headaches, the insomnia, the back pain. Yes, there could be actual physiological reasons why those things are happening, but a lot of it is stress-related, unfortunately, in the negative space, right? These stress-induced you know, manifestations of how your body reacts to chronic stress it's there. And unfortunately, you know, with what I'm doing in the dental world and even with the healthcare practitioners that we work with, we are aware of how a stress cycle works, but we're not always aware of how it manifests in our day to day. And so what ends up happening is we go a long time without realizing that we're at this heightened stress state. Our cortisol levels are going and going and going. Our brain is telling itself that, you know, work sucks or this is happening or I'm never going to get out of it or all of these emotions that we don't even know how to decipher are becoming bigger and bigger and lack the specificity because as we go in time, it becomes like a big cloud. And now we don't even know what we're really angry at or upset at or stressed over. And so when we go into self-awareness and I start working with clients and we start at the basics, which is track your feelings, check in on them and check in on them even for a week. That's usually the first exercise I give to most clients. That's where we start is literally check in with yourself at least six times in a day, not something that you have to do forever, but a couple of days and see how you feel in the morning or what you were doing in the morning, how you feel and check in with yourself. And what happens when you collect that kind of data that's related to you, you realize that there are patterns in how you're feeling, you know, and that's where the work begins because then we know that something is just not adding up to where you want to be. And most people, when they realize, Hey, I'm just not happy. I'm not feeling like I have a sense of purpose or I feel overwhelmed and stressed all the time. Those are all symptoms of bigger problems that haven't been dealt with. I mean, I delve into emotional intelligence coaching, so I'm more into the action behind it. What do we do about it? I kind of shy away from the psychology aspect of it, but really it's how do we reform the way we think with these little tools along the process? And it really is a powerful, powerful way of changing the way we think. Oh, absolutely. And you answered the next question I kind of had on the follow-up, <laughs> which was awesome on just like what, you know, if you are maybe feeling this way or you haven't checked in a while, what do you kind of do? So we've got the self-awareness piece. I know you mentioned social skills and I don't know if empathy went with that or, or not, but Maybe, yes. maybe tell us on that piece and we'll keep going down the big kind of four pillars. Absolutely. So self-awareness was the first. Emotional self-management 
is the second. So once you are aware, then you can manage your emotions better. Like I love the book, The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. If you've read it, it's the perfect pause. If somebody hasn't read it out there, here you go. This is the cliff notes. You count backwards from five. Now, the premise behind counting backwards from five when you are making a rush decision or a big decision is to allow your mind to take a break and think about the response before you shoot off an answer. It's a powerful tool, especially when you add a nice deep breath, which increases your oxygen. You're able to make a better decision. You're able to stop that firing for literally a second, just a tiny split second, which makes all the difference in how we answer it. So managing the emotion, that's where we're getting into how are we having realistic optimism, not thinking one little setback is the end of the world, right? Or how do we manage our stress? How do we bounce back when something happens? How do we use our achievement drive more purposefully? You know, we go, we go, we go, we go. Do we know when to stop? Do we know when to harness that in and use it in a way that's not going to burn us out? I mean, we hear it, right? Practitioner burnout, it's happening. A lot of that is an overactive achievement drive and an underactive stress management and resilience drive. So, you know, that balance is there. And then when it comes to what I consider the next step, you were alluding to that, you were ahead of me, the social awareness, that is where we include empathy. How do we become compassionate for other people. The irony is a lot of times people want to go straight to that. They want to say, how do I become a more empathetic leader? How can I communicate better? How can I lead better, right? Lead their practices, lead their teams, communicate better with who they work with. But the thing is, if you don't know yourself, it is harder to grow that skill. Does that make sense? Like, oh, completely. It is much harder to start dealing with the world when we haven't dealt with us. And that is a very tough mirror to look at. And I say that coming from a personal place as a practitioner. I mean, I suffered through burnout. I didn't even know it was what now I know, you know, was really a really elevated stress response that equaled this concept of burnout that keeps coming up with practitioners. And I was only, what, how many years into practice? Six years into practice. I just had my son and I did not know how to run a business. I knew how to do dentistry well. And like I started spiraling into all of this negative space and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I threw money at my business. I threw consulting at my business. I said, Hey, listen, like if that's what I'm stressed about, let's fix that. Right. We are type A practice, type A achievers. Like we want to just throw something at it and fix it. Well, it didn't get fixed until I realized that the problem was actually me. And if I couldn't look at myself with that mirror of vulnerability, then nothing was ever going to change in my mind. And once I took a step back and I started working on my own EQ, things did shift. But they took time because these things don't shift overnight because we didn't learn them overnight. We learned them over a course of a lifetime to get to this point. So when we're talking about going to empathy and communicating better and communicating with empathy, empathetic communication. I do a whole lecture on this in the dental world. It's one of my speaking topics where I talk to teams about how to communicate with emotion because that is the currency of connection. And when we can communicate better, 
and we can communicate with connection, guess what? Everybody listens better and we have less misunderstandings. And so when we really harness how to be more empathetic and how to be aware in our team setting, then we can grow that last block. And so I might be getting ahead of you again, but the social management where it's how do we harness what is the vibe of that other person or the vibe of that team or the vibe of our coworker? How do we harness that to actually be more inspirational? How do we use it to help our conflict management? How do we build bonds better? How do we build trust better? All of that comes from knowing how to understand the people that we're working with. So I like this order that comes with what I do in my process because everybody wants to start at the end. (laughs) It's it's because they see the symptom, right? Like they see the end and they go, I don't know how my leadership skills are. I don't know if I'm the best communicator in my job. Like they see where they're having trouble in that setting. But what is harder to see and to admit because vulnerability is a very tough thing, especially in this day and age, especially with social media, where the highlights of everything is accentuated. Reality is a little skewed every time you go on Facebook or Instagram. It's not really real. And so we're actually less real in the social way. And we start to translate that into, hey, Can I be vulnerable? Do I know how to be vulnerable? And if you can't be vulnerable with yourself and admit these things, it's a lot harder out there. That's what I've learned anyways. Absolutely. And you said so many great things. I think anyone who's listening at like one and a half or two speed, you need to like go to one speed and rewind 10 minutes (laughs) because that was amazing. There were so many little nuggets of just amazing information in there. I didn't want to interrupt because it was so good. But I did want to add one piece about the pause. Doing the registered life planner training that I went through, I learned a lot about pausing and understanding how powerful the pause is. And it sounded absolutely ridiculous when I went through the first time and was listening. And then you start to practice and it's totally different. And the power of the pause is truly remarkable. It'll help your own decision making, but it also makes you a much better listener, which is a cool side effect if you are married, just run it out <laughs> yes. there. But you've mentioned a few times on things that you've done either to increase your emotional intelligence or have helped clients increase their own emotional intelligence. And so I think everyone has a really good understanding now of what emotional intelligence is. And you're thinking like, okay, great. I got that concept. How do I increase it? How do I make it better? What can they walk away after listening to this conversation going, I'm going to try to put these things in practice or at least one thing in practice? Mm -hmm. I think the very first thing anybody can do is really spend some time reflecting in that space. So I have some people that journal on it. They will track it. As I said, there's apps now to track how you're feeling, which is phenomenal. It's great. You don't even need a paper and pen. Do you know what those apps are called? You know what? There's more apps with moods than there are with emotional states. If I remember it, we can link it. But there is one in particular. It's I don't want to give the wrong one. No, you're good. You're blanking. And it's, it's totally fine because Shaquille's in our group and will <laughs> easily be able to link it at some right. point You know when, when she remembers it. And it's totally fine. And anyone can like tag or, or ping Shaquille in our Facebook group, in our community group, if you have questions on anything that obviously she's talking about right now, because 
it's very clear how much you know about this and it's just amazing. And I'm a paper and pen gal. Like I am very much an old soul when it comes to writing and the power of writing and harnessing the right brain activity and getting that creativity out there. So I do everything on pen and paper, which drives my husband nuts because he wants to do everything on an app or on the phone or on the computer. He did a good job with meditating before, but he's doing a better job now that we're putting technology with it. So I'm very much a pen and paper. So I will definitely link apps underneath the show notes as well. Awesome. So what are essentially a few other ways that they can potentially increase their emotional intelligence? So there's multiple things. I just want to make sure it's simple enough that you guys can take them, do them on your own, especially. I think the second thing that helped me through my journey was to really reach out to the people that I trusted and ask them, if there was one situation that happened and I perceived it in one way, did they perceive it differently than I did? Because oftentimes the way we see something is very different than the way somebody else sees something. And so that is really powerful to even ask a spouse gently (laughs) on a day that is emotionally stable, (laughs) just in case. But, you know, I would ask Vivek, you know, I got upset about this. Did it seem like it was out of the question? Or did it seem like it was in the realm of what was going on? And the reason why that helps when we ask other people that we work with or people that we trust is because we might not see that we're getting upset over similar things or we're upset when someone says something. I think the third thing would be to address what you're feeling with a sense of curiosity. Why do I feel like that? Why do I feel so strongly about this? Why do I feel so angry or upset or overwhelmed? Where is this really coming from? I think when we start having these conversations of tracking and then asking, we start actually going through the emotion instead of around it. And in this day and age where that seems to be the trend, we put everything under the rug, the I'm fine or I'm good statements, where we just kind of sweep it away because we don't want to delve into that space asking ourselves these questions of what is it that I really feel and why do I feel the way that I do? It starts creating a different dialogue within your head. There's great books out there. Emotional Grit is a great book. Solve for Happy. I mean, I can link a bunch of books that I can tell you off the top of my head because I read way too much. I don't know if there is a too much. <laughs> way but too much. There's never too much. I wish I had more time I'm to I'm a self-imposed read. nerd when it comes to these things. But you know, there's a lot of good stuff that's written out there lately. There is podcasts on it. Science of Happiness is a great podcast to just become more aware. They have really simple exercises and tools, and they also have a whole website and group and all of that. So if you're looking for a resource that's actually science-based, because I know a lot of us listening here, we kind of want the science behind why a gratitude practice happens. Like how do we rewire our brain to think more positively? A simple gratitude exercise of recalling three things that you're grateful for on a consistent basis has been shown after 21 days to rewire the way we think about that or reflecting on three good things that happened at the end of the day. And I'm just throwing out tools because there are things that we can do right away without listening or reading anything else, you know, to recall three things that happened in the day that were positive. Because guess what? As you continue to do this for the next 
14 to 20 days, you start looking for good things. And it's amazing that when we change this awareness, how our actions also change. And when we change our actions, our awareness also changes. So it kind of goes hand in hand. I'm hoping I answered your question because it is so deep as far as so many different tools we can use for different areas of increasing our EQ. But those are some of the places that anybody can start tomorrow. I love it. And you definitely answered it. And I think the last one that you were kind of talking about with looking for the things that were positive that made you happy. I look at myself as kind of like the glass half full guy. It really started because I was always trying to think of like, what were the best parts of the day? And I'm one of those weirdos that like enjoys the journey and the harder the journey, the more I like it. So like, you know, of course the entrepreneurial, like building businesses, building podcasts, whatever. I like the journey of it and the hard like grind to it. It makes me happy for some weird reason. But the more I thought of what other fun things or exciting things happened in my day, what were the small wins? I noticed that I had a lot more wins than I even thought I did. And while I don't necessarily write them down, I do tend to reflect on what were the fun things that happened today? What were the cool things? Oh, a client told me that they did X, Y, Z, or a client on their own decided that they were going to you know, use their tax refund to pay down their debt. That actually happened yesterday. And it made me so excited. I about jumped out of my chair and <laughs> they, and you joked about being a nerd. Like I already say in the podcast, even in the intro, like I am a nerd and I'm totally cool saying it. I got so excited for someone else paying down their debt. I don't know if it gets more nerdy than that, but. But that's a very compassionate point of view, which like that's an increase in empathy, right? You're truly excited for that person, which shows your level of empathy when it comes to what you do. And that's why you're so amazing at it. But the thing that a lot of us deal with when we're in our day-to-day lives and we're treating patients or we're going to work, we're dealing with the rigmarole of what life is. You said you were a glass half full kind of guy, which is amazing. I come into contact with people who are the opposite, right? Where it's the glass is always empty or the glass is always half empty. How do I even fill it? It's not even refillable. They've honed in on that negative feedback loop that keeps going. And what we sometimes forget is we are built as humans to survive. We are not built to necessarily be positive. That is actually not in our DNA. You know, that's not in our natural instinct. Our natural instinct as humans is to exist, is to protect ourselves, protect our body, protect our mind, protect our organs. That is what we're wired to do. And so when we think of how stress starts or why we think these negative thoughts at the end of the day or why we can't get to bed because, you know, something happened with a patient or something happened with a coworker or a conversation we had with a spouse or something else and we're worried, this idea of anxiety, this perceived fear that's all from a survival instinct. And when we realize that that pattern of constant negativity is there, when we start thinking about how emotional intelligence can help you now, it's, are you thinking those things on a regular basis? Because I meet successfully unhappy people. I'm going to coin that term, Ryan. I really am. Because it's one thing to be financially success, right? And you can tell me what your experience is with this, but it's another thing to be happy with that success. Don't we all want to be successful financially and happy with it? You know, I wouldn't want to be one or the other. You know, money doesn't buy happiness. And some people are like, well, it buys a whole lot of things. And it's like, well, that's cool, but it doesn't buy happiness. And 
right. going through a lot of the life planning pieces with physicians and their families, like it doesn't come down to money. Yes, money is nice. Money allows you to travel. Money might allow you to help take care of your family or to do something that you ultimately enjoy. But when you strip away money and you strip away time and you say, hey, you might be sick or you will be sick or you have 24 hours left to live and there's nothing that can be done, what did you miss or experience or not get to do in your life? It's never, oh, I wish I had made more money. I wish I would have funded my IRAs. I wish I would have saved 70% of my... No one, no one has ever <laughs> said that. Right. Like, ever. And I don't think anyone ever will. I might get roasted when I say kind of that I go against a lot of the fire movement, but I do because it's all about delaying that gratification and cutting things as much as you can. And I am like not about that at all. I want you to spend money in a way that makes you happiest, but just be responsible and you know, make sure you're still adulting and not really screwing yourself in the end. But I want you to enjoy what you're doing. And right. it's a hard balance. It's really a hard balance. It is because I found in my depth of research for a project that I'm focusing on happiness and how we get to happiness and what science is supported with how we work with happiness. Money is a vehicle to that. But that is not always you know, when you ask those questions, I mean, they're fantastic questions because as humans, it's a way to get to a place of being happy, but happiness itself doesn't exist within that. And so when we think of how happiness exists as an emotion, it exists within us. It's a state of mind. It's the way we perceive our state of mind and our current situation. And when we start unpeeling all these other things and we start letting go of the things that are not of service to us anymore, that have fulfilled their need in the season that we needed them. And now we're moving on to other things and we have to unlearn as we go as well. And that's what we sometimes don't realize. Sometimes when I find people who are really, really in that space of negativity or they're really stressed out, it's because we haven't let go of a lot of things. We're acquiring, acquiring, you know, we want to get here and we want to do this and we want to start this business and we want to achieve this. But what are we letting go as well. And I think the only way to move forward through our emotions is to know when something is serving us and when we've already bypassed that point of usefulness. So we're not holding on to old expectations. We're not holding on to old failures or disappointments. We're actually learning from them. And that's what I've realized in my journey. It's like I used to be the person that would sit there and go, oh, why didn't I know better? Why did I buy a business and not really know how to run it? right? I mean, we mm -hmm. all sit and have these moments, that self-talk of why didn't I, or I should have, or I could have. But now where I am in my journey, it's what did I learn from that? Where am I going with this? And how do I know what I know now differently than what I did then? And that conversation is so much one healthier and then two, more productive because now I can plan in a way that isn't emotionally draining into a space that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going through now. So emotional awareness helps us put that in the right space as well and let go of things that we've been holding on to. So well said. Thank you for that. And you, you referenced the questions that we ask. And I actually did a show with Taylor on it way back in January of 2018. I mean, it was the show. It was like, what's it like to be married to a financial planner? Of course, within 45 seconds, I think of that show, she blasted me. I'm uh, <laughs> like, oh, it's so much fun. Just getting ripped on on my own show. It's totally, totally <laughs> fine, I guess. I'll work on my emotional intelligence, I guess, with that one. But you know, as we round out here, thank you so much for being on. 
tell everyone kind of what you're doing and all the awesome stuff you have going on at the inspireddentist.com. Thank you. Yes. So I am a certified social and emotional intelligence coach. I work with healthcare practitioners to do exactly what we chatted about in this conversation, to learn how to be more aware, to manage that awareness, and to learn how to be socially aware and manage those expectations. And my program is really geared for healthcare practitioners because I am one by trade, 11 years practicing dentist, had my own business, but I'm also a mom. I'm also married to a physician. So seeing and integrating all the things that are actually day-to-day challenges for us is really my jam. So I love coaching. I love working with my clients. They are absolutely amazing. I also speak on this topic. I'm working on other projects right now, including a book and published articles and a lot of dental publications and things like that. So it's really fun for me because it's a field that I think isn't given enough justice. And I think as any high achieving professional, we can all use this skill more effectively to create a happier life. So, and you can find me, as you said, uh, www.theinspireddentist.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, the handles, The Inspired Dentist. And I'm excited to see where things keep going because I'm just enjoying the journey. Oh, it's going to be like a hockey stick for you. I know it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and you're starting to do some Facebook lives and it's just, it's super cool. So I'm I love watching what you're doing and and following you and and your journey. And thank you so much again for being on. It's such an important topic and I couldn't think of anyone better to have on to talk about it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. In our journal club, we're going to be discussing an article that was posted by Wealthy Doc called How to Know If Your Number is Big Enough. Sounds kind of like a fun title. But in it, he writes about when physicians should know how much money they need to retire without compromising their lifestyle. Even though it's harder to decipher what the magic number is for some, it really doesn't have to be that complicated. He shares that not only how you would determine this number, but also how you should think about it, including not obsessing over it, which I think many people do in the FIRE community. And I quote, apparently... They think it's fine to stick their head in the sand. If you don't think about the future or about retirement, then it'll never happen. And this isn't a good approach, even though it is common. I love that quote. He points out that there are a couple ways to not obsess. So one, play to your strength. Are you a numbers nerd? Well, find forums with others just like you to talk about your high savings rate or your investments. Teach yourself through the experience of others in similar situations as you. Hint by the way, that there might be a forum that I am working on over at financialfellowship.com. Nothing is live right now, but just like winter, it's coming. Game of Thrones cheesy reference. Had to do it. Anyway, he also says that whether you know, quote unquote, your number will let you hit fire or achieve fire. And what he means is to ask yourself if you're planning on retiring early or if the goal is just to become financially independent. And understanding this early on will drive all of your money decisions. What I really like about his article is that we learn about acquiring the financial knowledge that you need in order to make successful decisions. And that is so critical. He shares the reality of just some basic rules of investing. And according to him, quote unquote, those who know better don't always do better. And he explains why. And I quote, 
Studies show that people tend to have a poor sense of timing, buying into stocks when they go higher and selling on the way down. Others gain advice from the daily media and make frequent changes. And in my experience, one, the daily media is not going to give you any advice. That is TV. That is all fake, basically. Let's call it fake news for fun. But I see this to be more true than we're willing to admit. Time and time again, I've worked with so many intelligent physicians who absolutely rock their professions, but when it comes to investments or almost anything money-related, they just need a little bit of help. And there's nothing wrong with that. My wife was there with you. She was one of you. Lastly, he says, keeping up with the Joneses and the Dr. Joneses is just setting yourself up for failure because instead of feeling sorry for their peers who overspend, people tend to get jealous and honestly, it's just human nature. But in order to retract from this inclination, he suggests something I thought was actually interesting is to spend time with others that are in other income brackets. And he made so many other great points in this article and and I can't cover all of them here, but I encourage you to go check it out. Do you know what your number is? Where do you stand? Thanks, Wealthy Doc, for an awesome, really interesting article. And again, you guys can find that on WealthyDoc.com. Know your number. Well, it was really fun to have my friend Shakila, the Inspired Dentist, on. Thank you again for being on the show. And I hope you guys really enjoyed it, along with our journal club with the Wealthy Doc. There's five takeaways I'd like you to walk away with after hearing our talk today. Takeaway number one, being emotionally intelligent changes the way that we make decisions and it works in our favor for almost every decision. In fact, we're more happy because of it. If we can train our minds to be more aware of how we feel and utilize that more efficiently, we become happier people. And who doesn't want to be more happy? (laughs) I've never met a person that said, I want to be more miserable. Number two, there are four different areas of emotional intelligence that we really need to be aware of. There's self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social management. And besides the rubrics of each component of emotional intelligence, it's self-awareness that involves personal power. When it comes to our self-awareness and our self-management, we're talking about personal power. We're talking about growing our, our own compassion for ourselves. We're talking about reducing our judgment and managing expectations. The various competencies of emotional intelligence helps us navigate the resiliency, but ultimately bounce back from different challenges that we experience throughout life, especially when it comes to your finances. Something happened with your investments that didn't go the way you wanted it to, or something happened at work that didn't go the way that you wanted it to. How do you bounce back? That's where these competencies actually become useful because if we hone in on what you're struggling with, we actually can grow that responsive reaction. Takeaway number four, self-awareness is one place to start on your EQ journey because we're often left to our own perceptive restraints if we don't identify certain reasons for our reactions, behavior, or mindset. Honestly, the Inspired Dentist says it way better. Let's just hear her say it. Knowing how you feel 
the key in the beginning is to really be able to notice these gut level instincts that you're having and the reactions that you're having. Because as I had mentioned, when we go through life and we're reacting, we have something coming up, we go at it right away. We have something else coming up, we go at it right away. We're not even pausing to think about what we're actually doing back. And last takeaway, sometimes in order to see change in the way that we interact with people, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror. The change starts and begins with us. If I couldn't look at myself with that mirror of vulnerability, then nothing was ever going to change in my mind. And once I took a step back and I started working on my own EQ, things did shift. But they took time because these things don't shift overnight because we didn't learn them overnight. We learned them over a course of a lifetime to get to this point. All right. So we've made it to our community update part of the show. Thank you so much for staying tuned and just being here. It is amazing to have all of you part of our community and continuing to share your comments about how the podcast has helped you. I've received numerous emails just over the last month. There's suggestions about even adding a third show to the ranks. Uh, let's pump the brakes on that one for a second. Or just asking when your you know financial health assessments are in the queue. And those have been amazing. And I hope you guys really enjoy those. And I love all the positive feedback that we've been getting on that. Please continue to send it in. It's motivation for Casey and I to keep cranking those out. And really, it gives us confidence that we're doing something right and that we're bringing value that you need and want from us. We're in the process of not only growing our podcast, but some of our social media feeds like Instagram. If you can, please share the podcast with your physician friends so we can help empower them to take control over their finances as well. And just so you know, on Instagram, I'll be creating some fun behind the scenes videos for those that are following me there on Insta. So search for financial residency and come hang out. And if you can do those two things, you're not only going to help bring awareness to your networks that honestly, that the financial residency podcast exists, but you're spreading the love. Thank you again for everything that you guys do to make this podcast a worthy pursuit in being your free financial education resource. This podcast is like a marriage. You get out of it what you put in. So if you're going to show up and put in the time to learn about financial topics that most affect you, you're more than likely to grow your financial savviness. But here's the thing. What you hear in the show is to be taken more on the generic stride. It's a blanket adaptation of different financial topics affecting physician families. I don't guarantee any specific advice because honestly, I don't know who you are and what financial challenges you are facing. I definitely recommend reaching out to a CPA, an attorney, or heck me, a fee-only financial planner to help you with any of your financial questions. Next week, we're gonna have a really interesting guest on the show, Cameron Huddleston. She is just releasing her book, Mom, Dad, We Need to Talk, and we dive into the conversation that honestly, we all need to have with our parents. I hope you guys like it. Have a great week. See you guys on Friday. Cheers. Cheers.